verse 39 to 43, and this can be found on page 1026 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back, and the page numbers for those are on the screen. It's Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. This is a word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please do keep that part of Luke open. Uh, our final season's uh, greetings, this little series that we've had uh, in the early chapters, uh, the early verses of Luke 1. Uh, season's greetings as the uh, angel came to Zechariah with a greeting, as the angel came to Mary with a greeting. And now Mary travels to her cousin Elizabeth, and as you see, it's a very dramatic greeting. It's John the Baptist jumping around inside her womb. We'll come to that in a moment. Uh, my name is Richard. If we haven't met, I'm one of the uh, curate's ministers here. Uh, it's good to have you with us. And uh, we had a little pitch invasion in the last service uh, when I was speaking. Daniel, our one-year-old, escaped from the crash and uh, made it through this door uh, and uh, then wanted to come and play up here. So uh, if I'm a little twitchy, uh, if that door goes, that's why. Uh, but I'm sure we'll make it through. Uh, he's hopefully almost asleep by now, so uh, all should be well. I should we pray together as we come to God's word. Our Father, as your Holy Spirit came uh, to uh, Elizabeth, and uh, gave her words to praise the Lord Jesus. We pray that this morning that same spirit would come and through his word would speak to us, would stir in us a belief in your promises, a humility before you. Please would you give us a joy in Jesus Christ through his word. Amen. If you've been here the last couple of months, uh, our metaphor, uh, last couple of weeks, sorry, our metaphor has been that of an explosion. Uh, Two weeks ago, Paul showed us God's salvation plan reigniting. After uh, many years, centuries, God's plan to save the nations, which it, it seemed had slowed down, was gathering dust. Suddenly, with the angel coming to Zechariah, there's a, a spark. Life breathed into the old ship. And then last week, uh, James showed us God's salvation plan explodes. It says this huge promise of a king for all people for all time. And this week, if we're following that metaphor, it's the aftermath of the explosion. Uh, over the weekend, uh, Friday evening, Em, my wife, was away. And uh, so, of course, I watched a trashy action film. And uh, you know all through the film, a lot of people are going to die. But, you know, the, the couple of heroes, they'll make it till the end. You know they will. And there's those final couple of scenes where they just kind of sit back and go, wow, that was a day. And that's kind of what's going on here. As Mary and Elizabeth, they get together, these angels have come and they get together and they go, wow. And we see their responses. And we see their responses as examples, as models for us. That we can learn from Mary, from Elizabeth, how we are to respond to the news of Jesus coming. So we'll take the two in turn. Mary first. 
Uh, Mary, her belief brings blessing. Uh, Let's read again from verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And already in that, you you see her belief in the promise that's come to her. You see her literally put legs on it as she gets up and travels, because the angel came to her and said, you're going to have a baby. You're a virgin, but you're going to conceive and have a baby. And she says, wow, how can that be? The angel says, God can do anything. And if you want proof of that, well, Elizabeth, your cousin in her old age, she's conceived, she's bearing a son. And here, uh, Mary doesn't say, well, that's ridiculous. Uh, that's not, she, no, she, she believes. And so she travels to see what the angels told her. Let's carry on, verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. There's that word, there's a blessing for Mary. And where does it come from? If we just skip down to verse 45. Blessed, says Elizabeth, blessed is she who's believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Mary's belief in the Lord's promises brings blessing. And I think as we read that verse, we're meant to see the contrast with Zechariah. Uh, Blessed is she who's believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her, which is what Zechariah, Elizabeth's wife, didn't do. In fact, for all we know, he's in the room as they're having this conversation. Did you notice in verse 41, uh, sorry, verse 40, it's called Zechariah's house. Mary went to Zechariah's house and spoke with Elizabeth. Because when uh, the angel came to Zechariah and told him that his wife was going to have this baby, even though they were both very old, his response wasn't, how can that be? His response was, how can I know? I'm not sure I believe you. And the angel said, well, the way you can know is this, the sign will be, you'll be mute, unable to speak until the baby's born. And so Zechariah vanishes from the story, unable to speak, he's unable to make his presence felt. We don't know where he is, what he's doing. And that's the contrast with Mary. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Mary's believed the promise, and there's blessing in that. Now, I need to be clear, there'd be a bad mistake to to make here. The story could have gone like this. God makes a promise to Mary, she believes it, so it comes true. God makes a promise to Zechariah. He doesn't believe it, so it doesn't come true. That could have been the story, but it isn't. God doesn't need people to believe his promises to make them come true. It's not like Aladdin needing to rub the, uh, what's it called? The lamp. Uh, needing to rub the lamp, you know, give it a bit of energy so the genie can come out and do his magic thing. You know, God doesn't need uh, faith. He doesn't need belief in order to do his promises. They'll happen. They're too strong, too certain, too powerful, too unstoppable to be hindered by someone not believing them. So the way the story goes is both Mary and Zechariah have an astonishing promise. Mary believes, Zechariah doesn't. And for both of them, it comes true. The blessing can't be that because you believe, God will keep his promises. So what is the blessing for Mary? Well, I think it must be the thing that's different from her than from Zechariah which is that she gets to enjoy the journey. Zechariah, between the announcement and the baby being born, he's silent. He's unable to speak. 
Whereas Mary, because she believed, between the announcement and the baby being born, she can enjoy it. In the next verses after our reading, she'll sing in praise of the Lord. The difference is that Mary can enjoy the journey. A few years ago, I was uh, on a plane in Ethiopia. Uh, A previous church I was a part of, and uh, a group of us were going to see a, a mission partner, uh, much as the team from here did over the summer with uh, one of this church's mission partners. And uh, they're in Mekele, northern Ethiopia. And so we flew uh, from London to Addis Ababa, the capital, and then we're getting on a, not a huge plane, to fly from there up to Mekele. And Esther was in charge of the trip. She'd uh, been there before. She'd lived with these mission partners for a while. And uh, so she was sort of in charge of the trip. And she told us this second plane, towards the end, it's going to be choppy. It's going to be bumpy. Because the, the, the terrain's kind of quite mountainous, and so you're coming into this airstrip, and there's sort of mountains all around, and, and that does weird things with the wind, apparently. Uh, sort of, you know, there's um, currents going on, and hot air going up here, and cold air going down there, so it's all quite sort of windy, and you're not in a huge plane, and so you start bouncing around, was her warning to us. You know, expect that. And actually, she is one of life's daredevils by temperament. She's, it's, it's quite fun. You kind of enjoy it. It's a roller coaster. You know, people pay for this. Sort of, I mean, we were paying, I suppose, to be on the plane. But, um, you know, people pay for this sort of thing. It's exciting. And uh, some of us thought, yeah, that sounds exciting. And some of us thought it didn't. But uh, we got on this plane. And uh, the announcement comes over after a while. You know, we're, we're descending to land. And, uh, you know, so I'm rocking around a bit. Say to Esther, is this what you're talking about? I don't know. Just wait, says Esther. And a few minutes later, you know, this plane starts bouncing around all over the place. And Esther's loving it. Uh, she's done this before. She knows it's fine. She knows it's going to land. She's having a lot of fun. Not the guy sat next to her. Uh, the guy next to her, I don't know his name. He wasn't part of our group. A uh, complete stranger. And he lost it. He lost it. There were, there were tears. Uh, he was clinging on to Esther's arm as if she could provide him some sort of safety. Uh, you know, his head was at points buried in her. I, I think if he dared to take off his seatbelt, he'd have been in her lap, you know, just looking for some sort of safety, some sort of security. He lost it. And 15 minutes later, the plane lands, and the doors open. And of course, they both walk out. It doesn't work, if you've never flown before, it doesn't work that if you think you're going to make it, you will, and if you think you're not, you won't. That's not how planes work. If you're on the plane, you're fine, and you'll get there. But you might not enjoy the journey. Now, just a, a slight sort of tangent, a slight sidestep for a moment. This isn't Luke's point, really, but uh, it's worth saying, if you are here and you're not a Christian, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. You're very welcome. It's lovely to have you with us, uh, as always. If you'd like to come this evening, you'd be super welcome. If a carol service is your thing, uh, I'm new here, but I'm told that uh, they are very good here. Uh, the musicians have been practicing for a long time. You're very welcome to come along uh, if a carol service is your thing. But let me say, uh, the, the Christian life, it begins with a, a moment of belief. Using the, the plain... Uh, analogy again. Uh, Someone who didn't trust the plane at all and stayed on the airport in Addis Ababa, they would never make it to McKelly, obviously. The decisive thing between someone who's a Christian and someone who's not is will they uh, fundamentally believe God's promises? Metaphorically, will will they get on the plane? And the moment they do, God's promises are certain. They can't be stopped. They'll reach the destination. They'll know the blessings that Mary speaks about, that Elizabeth speaks about. 
But Luke really is talking about believers. Mary and Zechariah, they're both believers in the Lord. Fundamentally, that's who they are. But in a moment of crisis, Mary's faith continues and Zechariah's wobbles. And the result is that Mary is blessed and Zechariah for these months is silenced. There's a, a blessing that comes from belief. It's the blessing of being able to enjoy the journey. Through this season of Advent, this month of December, uh, we look backwards and we look forwards. We look backwards to when Jesus was born, when he came the first time, when these promises to Mary and Elizabeth came true. And we look forwards to Jesus coming again, his return to set all things right. That moment when, if you like, the plane will land. And we know because the Bible tells us that between now and then, things will get bumpy. At different times, things might be very rough. And for some of us in the room at the moment, this day and this week feel very bumpy. And the Bible says that will be true for believers as it will be for those who aren't believers. But Jesus will come back. The plane will land and those who trust in Christ will get off and enjoy him forever. And even when, especially when things are bumpy, the Bible would say that there's, be- there's blessing that comes from belief. If you believe that, if you know that, if you can hope in that, that one day all will be well, then there's blessing now. There's the blessing that Esther experienced. You, you, can, you can enjoy the journey. You can be a blessing to those around you as Esther was rather than wondering if you'll make it. There's a blessing that comes from belief. That's what we see from Mary. And then from Elizabeth. Elizabeth, Elizabeth's humility is the thing that this text emphasizes. Elizabeth's humility, which brings happiness. Elizabeth, Elizabeth is astonishing in this story. Just think about what's happened to her. An angel has come to her husband and told her that miraculously they're going to have a baby. Now that's quite something. But where we are in the Bible, it's been 400 years since anything remotely like that has happened. God's been relatively silent for 400 years. The plan seems to be gathering dust. It seems like there's nothing going on or very little. And suddenly, she's going to have a baby. And it's important enough that an angel's come to tell her, and not just any baby, which is good news, but one who will be great before the Lord, who will get people ready for God's salvation. Just think what she'd have to put in her Christmas letter. And yet, when Mary turns up, she doesn't want to talk about herself. She just wants to talk about Mary. She says, verse 42, in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you will bear. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who's believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Elizabeth just wants to talk about Mary. And how differently it could have been. Elizabeth could easily have tried to make herself first. The angel came to their family before Mary. You know, uh, Elizabeth's had this pregnancy for six months. Mary's kind of stepping on her turf. You know, I, I, I was here first. 
In Luke's Gospel, nine women are named. It's 2,000 years ago, in a writing of that time, for a woman to be named, that's a hugely significant thing. Elizabeth is first. And if not trying to make herself first, she could have made herself equal. Yeah, Mary, good for you, good for me too. We're sort of on a level. We've both had these angels come. We both have these miraculous pregnancies. We both have children who are going to be used by the Lord. I think she could easily have been bitter. She's an old woman. Many years ago, she married Zechariah, full of, as any new, newly married couple would be, full of hope, full of expectation, daydreaming about the colours she'll paint in the nursery, imagining the baby grows. And then the weeks go by, and the months go by, and the years go by, and there's nothing, no baby inside her, no baby in her arms. And every month, the same uh, expectations and hope and desperate wishing and pain. And then, well, then comes this angel. Then things change. He's going to be given a child. The child she's longed for, waited for for so long. And Mary? Which is, it's outrageous. She's not even married yet. Can't she wait for a few months? Can't she get married and have a child like everyone else around me seems to have done? How come she gets this? She doesn't deserve it. Don't you know how long I've been waiting? She very easily could have been bitter. But what does she say? Verse 43, Why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? There's a humility. I don't deserve any of this. Why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And it's important to see, she's not so much excited that Mary's there, it's that the Lord is there. Mary is the mother of my Lord. She explains that in verse 44, As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And uh, verse 41 fills that out a bit more. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. The baby leapt for joy. What's going on? Well, earlier in Luke 1, we know John the Baptist, that's the baby inside her, will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth and will prepare people for Jesus. We'll, We'll say, here's Jesus. Look at him, how wonderful he is. And that's what's happening. John the Baptist, not yet able to speak, still inside the womb. But the Holy Spirit comes and he he jumps, he dances with joy before the Lord and through his mother's mouth at this praise of Jesus. And so though none of us will have Mary visiting our homes this Christmas, the Lord has come to us. In his word, he comes to us in the table. He comes to us. One day physically he will come to us. And there might be times where we're tempted to be bitter, tempted to think we deserve better than we're getting. I've been at this church a long time. I've served hard. Do you know what I've suffered? Do you know how long I've endured? But Elizabeth would teach us, would encourage us to say, why am I so favoured that the Lord should come to me? And on that path, that path of humility comes happiness. Elizabeth's humility brings happiness. 
Because those who think, I deserve better than this, I deserve something from the Lord, there'll often be bitterness, frustration, resentment when it doesn't come. Those who recognize we deserve nothing. And yet in the Lord's kindness, in his favor, these gifts that he's given to us, that he's come to us, that way is happiness. And that way is happiness in the long term. As we read Luke chapters 1 and 2 especially, it's very clear that Jesus has come to turn things upside down. Mary will sing in the next verses that Jesus comes that those who are empty will be satisfied, but those who are full will be sent away empty. That the poor will be exalted. That those who exalt themselves will be brought low. That there will be a reversal. And so to be humble, to be low, in Jesus' kingdom is the way to find happiness. There's an old poem I came across this week. One of the uh, commentators on these verses quotes it. Only he or she, uh, only the one who is down, need fear no fall. When Jesus comes, many who are proud, who are lifted up, who exalt themselves, will fall. Those who are down have nowhere to fall and can only be lifted up by the Lord. Elizabeth's humility brings happiness. And so a final question as we ponder these verses. How do we grow in these virtues? If, like me, belief and humility don't come easily to you, if in the times when life is hard, it's difficult to believe that God will keep his promises and one day things will be well, if when things are hard, it's difficult to be humble and and to not think, I deserve better than this, how do we grow in these virtues of belief and humility? Ultimately, of course, they are a gift from the Lord. And in a few moments, I'll lead us in praying that he would grant them to us increasingly. But I've been reflecting this week that as we gather together, Sunday by Sunday, as we come to worship, the things we do are designed, are gifts from the Lord to grow these virtues in us. Just think earlier in the service, we we declared together a creed. We said together, I believe. I believe in the things that were promised to these women. I believe he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. I believe that he will come again to judge the living and the dead, that one day he will land the plane and all will be well. And there's something as we come together and say those things. It's true. We do believe it. But we struggle to believe it. And coming together and saying it together with one another, it's a gift from the Lord to grow our faith to make it that we believe those things more. If that's something that was helpful for you today, that is a practice, Just maybe this week, if it's not your habit, that's a practice you could continue this week. The text of the creed is easy to find online, or I can get it for you if you want to come and ask me. And to find a space and a time during the day, each day this week, to say those things, I believe. You might find the Lord uses that to strengthen your belief and so bring you blessing. Or humility. Humility, in a few moments we'll come uh, to communion around the Lord's table and we'll pray together as we always do uh, what's called the prayer of humble access. The prayer of humble access. It's the prayer, if you've been here before you'll recognize the words, it's the prayer, uh, we do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness. 
We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table. It's a prayer of humility. And again, as we pray it, it's true that we believe that, but not as much as we should. And and we trust, we hope, we pray that the Lord will use that prayer and our saying it together to grow in us a humility, to make it more true of us. And while we pray that prayer regularly, I'm going to suggest uh, something that we do less often. Uh, for generations of Christians before us would have knelt to pray that prayer as an expression bodily of our humility before the Lord, as well as in the hope that what we do with our bodies will shape us, will become more true in our hearts. And so I'm going to suggest that we might like to kneel for that prayer when we come to it in the service. Now, I know some people will be unable to kneel. Uh, for others, it would just be, it would be unhelpful. You'd be very self-conscious and it'd be distracting and it wouldn't uh, help you at all. It's fine. Of course, that's fine. The Lord cares for the postures of our hearts above that of our bodies. But for some of us, and having uh, said this at the first service, several people have said to me between the services, it was a helpful thing as a reminder, a physical reminder, that we're humble before the Lord to kneel. And so some of us uh, may do that. Tim, who will be leading the service, will tell us uh, when that is. And if you want to, you can kneel. But above saying the creed, above any prayer we pray above uh, kneeling. It is the Lord who gives gifts of blessing and of humility. It's the Lord who gave them to Mary and to Elizabeth. It is the Lord who has given them to us. And it's the Lord we look to to increase those gifts in us. And so should we pray together that that is what the Lord would do for us? Let me lead us in a prayer. Our Father, when we are in our right minds and our right hearts, we echo the words of Elizabeth, why am I so favoured that the mother of, that my Lord should come to me? When we're in our right minds and our right hearts, we echo the words of Mary, I'm the servant of the Lord, may it be to me, according to his word. And yet you know how often uh, our belief fails. You know how often our humility fails. We think we deserve better. We wonder where things are going. Father, would you forgive us? And please, would you grow in us a Mary-like belief, an Elizabeth-like humility? And then please, would you use those things through this Christmas season in the new year? Would they be a means for us of blessing, of happiness? Uh, because we trust and we are humble before the Lord, who in his kindness has come to us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.